Hello students and welcome to Class of X, the free internet course on how to read and enjoy the X-Men comics better. I'm your teacher and host, John Reisinger, and today I'm talking about Peter David's film noir-esque relaunch of X-Factor with the 2004 five-issue miniseries, Madrix. Welcome back, everybody, to the show where I talk to you about the X-Men, about how you can read the X-Men, about how you can understand the X-Men, about how you can get into the X-Men. Um, because if you can't tell, I'm a fan of these mutants, um, and I get asked all the time. Once people find out that you're a comic book reader and you have read a lot of comics, um, a lot of people seem to be interested in trying out comics, but they know it's a daunting task of reading them, um, getting into them, finding a starting point because they've been going on for quite a while. The X-Men have been written since 1960. It's a hard time to figure out where to get in. And if you jump into a title and don't, don't know all the characters, do you know how to understand it, how to, how to grasp the plot, how to get into it? That's what this show is about. And today, with that question of, hey, John, what are good entry points for me into reading X-Men comics? I have a great addition to that list today, and that is Madrix. Um, Madrix was a five-issue miniseries, like I said at the top of the show, um, that was kind of a prologue for a new volume of X-Factor. And uh, rarely, uh, well, I don't know, not not often enough do we get little uh, starters for the beginnings of a long comic run. I think House of X, Powers of Ten is a great example where it is a starter, it is an opener, it is the opening act of a, a, a salvo of a, of a huge restart of the X-Men comics. And while X-Factor Volume 3 was not a restart of the comics, it was a different take on the title that had been going on for quite a while. The X-Factor title had been around for decades prior to this, um, and, and this was the third volume of it. Um, but this was uh, a new take on it with a new set of uh, mutants, a new protagonist, and I appreciate that the writer, Peter David, who had written a lot of X-Factor in the past and was going to write this new X-Factor volume, um, decided to put out a five-issue miniseries that kind of was an introduction. Um, and namely, by name, it was an introduction to a mutant called named Jamie Madrix, um, also known as the Multiple Man. Um, a lot of people might not be too familiar with the Multiple Man um, or Multiple Man. Don't know why I'm throwing the in the front of it. He's not Robert Pattinson. Um, you might have recalled seeing him briefly in, I believe, X-Men 3, The Last Stand, um, played by, I think it was McDreamy from Grey's Anatomy, or is it McSteamy? Is McDreamy... I think McSteamy is who it was. I gotta get up. I gotta get up to date on my Grey's Anatomy lore. Um, but uh, yeah, he was in the like the prison van with Magneto and the Juggernaut, and uh, amongst other people. And uh, he got to have a little gimmick in that movie. But other than that, I don't feel like the media in general has paid attention to him much because there's so many other mutants to pay attention to. But I think this is a very good story that uh, makes a, a case for why we should pay attention 
to multiple man um, and enjoy watching him run a private investigation agency in the middle of mutant town. Um, and the whole thing is framed like old film noir films like Humphrey Bogart films and stuff like that. Um, but also through the lens of X-Men and mutants and, and all that kind of stuff. So that's what today's episode is about. We're going to talk about Madrix. I'm going to give you some introduction to the characters and the setting and the title of the comic and even talk to about what happens in the comic a little bit although genuinely this is one where like once you listen to this episode i would love it if you go read madrix and then hopefully after that get into x factor volume three which is wonderfully fun and 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 opens us up to a whole amazing cast of characters that you probably don't know very well and that's what's so good about this that this is like you know you love your wolverines and your storms and your gene grays but have you ever learned about shatterstar no not her learned about what about banshee's daughter siren um you know and 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 these are complex and three-dimensional characters that uh, i would love you to get to know a little bit better because i like i like the x-men and so let's talk about one of the x-men i like jamie madrix um called the multiple man because he can do that he can multiply himself he creates what is colloquially referred to in the comics as dupes which is short for duplicates if you couldn't tell um and that is triggered by kinetic impact um, or kinetic force applied to him. You hit Jamie and a dupe will pop out next to him. Um, and he falls, a dupe falls out next to him and that kind of thing. And so it is a power that is uh, triggered by that. And Jamie can um, do that willfully now. But when he was introduced way, way back in the day by, um, did Claremont create him? I really should have done my homework and figured out, or was it Len? Len Weissman. Um, anyways, when he was created, he originally did not have control over his powers. As a young boy, he actually manifested his mutant powers at birth, a rarity among mutants. I don't know if I've made that clear that for a very long time and, 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 and still ongoing, it's been kind of understood that generally speaking, mutants manifest their powers at puberty, but there are outliers. Um, one notable one is Nightcrawler who popped out of his mommy mystique um, looking blue and furry with a tail. Um, and so some, some come out that way and Jamie's that way. When he got spanked the first time by the doctor, a little dupe of him popped out, which is crazy. Um, and so he couldn't control it. And so his dad uh, quit his job at the nuclear power plant. I think that's because that might have been still during the time where they were kind of playing around with the origins of mutants being nuclear in in sorts um they've they've since like abandoned that and now it's like they're the next genetic you know step um, but that's actually how x-men and mutants were originally portrayed as like all of the mutants had like some sort of connection to nuclear facilities like a parent that worked there or something like that or they lived near one and so anyways jamie's dad uh quit his job and uh did what any responsible parent of a mutant would do and, and moved out to a farm um and uh, they they basically took Jamie into a remote location so that um, he wouldn't accidentally um, be you know pro- troubled with an over an an, 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 an out of control mutant power um, and so he's living his best farm life out there by himself um, slash never by himself um, but then Xavier actually helped um, uh, upon contacting uh, Jamie's dad I think it might have been like. J- 
Professor X worked with Jamie's dad or something like that. I can't remember. Um, this is just a reminder. I don't know everything about the X-Men. I don't remember everything about the X-Men. It's a lot of information for me to recall at all times, and I try to do my best to be an encyclopedic uh, source. Um, but... Uh, I'm going to get things a little hazy sometimes, and I hope you play along with me on that. But what I'm not hazy on is that Xavier did help develop a dampening suit that actually suppressed Jamie's powers, which is really great. Um, I kind of kind of makes me wish that he had done that for Rogue as well. Um, but, you know, bygones be bygones. Rogue has control over powers now, and so does Jamie. But at the time, um, his suit was what suppressed his power, so he could, like, actually, like, you know, bump a door and not have dupes pop out of him. Um, and it wasn't until like something like his suit malfunctioned. Um, oh no, actually the tragedy is, is that his parents died in a tragic accident and he was left alone for like six years on the farm from like the age, like 15 to like 21. Um, and he just worked the farm by himself slash with his dupes, um, which is so sad. Uh, and he eventually, when his suit malfunctioned, he'd wandered to New York. He kind of got in a fight with the Fantastic Four, but Professor X like cleared it all up, and he eventually became like a lab assistant for Moira McTaggart, who we've learned a lot about, especially Powers of X, Powers of Ten, and House of X stories. Moira is a big part of that. But he went to go uh, live on Muir Island in Scotland, and uh, just being like lab assistants. Um, it's he, Jamie is often used as a workforce for the X-Men, um, which is a, at the same time, a clever use of his powers. And it's still to me a very sad use of his powers that he's just kind of like the nameless face that, uh, does all the busy work. And I'll talk a little bit more about other instances of that in a moment, but he, went to work on Muir Island. Um, we learned some things during that time in his past about how his powers work, namely that when Moira's son, Proteus, which I want to do an episode about Proteus because um, the Muir Island massacre or uh, tragedy, I can't remember what the title of that little mini series was, tells the story of Moira's son, Proteus, who's the reality warping mutant um, who is so powerful, he burned out his own body and must uh, hop from bodies to bodies. That was an X-Men animated cartoon um, two-parter, I think. And actually, I remember being quite frightening when I was a kid because um, a little horror story of him like actually burning out and killing these mutants with uh, his own power. Um, and well, anyways, uh, he, Proteus actually took over one of Jamie's dupes at one point um, and burned out the dupe. And this is when Jamie learned that when his dupes die, he gets like major psychic backlash. Um, and he also learns later on that if he absorbs a dupe, a dupe that has that's wounded, he kind of doesn't, uh, he doesn't take on the wounds of the dupe, um, but he does take on like the psychic like pain of it all. Um, and it's a lot for him, which we learn immediately in I think the first issue or second issue of this mini series when Jamie absorbs a, mo- uh, a dupe that is about to die. Um, Jamie also went through some crazy stuff during like the nineties with like the legacy virus where one of his dupes actually contracted the legacy virus. And when he absorbed it, he had it too. And he had to kind of like stay separate as like three dupes at all times in order to mitigate the effects of the virus. And then the virus also had weird effects on his powers, um, which this might sound familiar if you do read this, the story we're talking about Madrix, um, where the legacy virus, cause the legacy virus, like, uh, uh makes a mutant's powers work against them and messes with them and, and has them like kind of like go out of control. And one of those things that, that kind of manifests his powers going out of control is that his dupes started showing like kind of almost enhanced personality traits where they were no longer just like duplicates of him, but they were like aspects 
of Jamie. They were, you know, one was the, you know, the, the overwhelming joy of Jamie. And, you know, one is the paranoid part of his brain, very much like inside out, you know, like the emotions inside of us. But if those were outside of the little girl in that movie, um, and so he, that also was something that they, that Peter David, uh, utilized in this miniseries, obviously. Um, but he learned that from the legacy virus. He did die from the legacy virus, but that was retconned and turned out to be a dupe later on. And, uh, they kind of made it so like when that dupe died from legacy virus, um, he was overwhelmed by that and actually like had memory loss and was gone for a while. Um, but he came back and he's done some other things and, and he, he worked for, you know, he was part of X factor. He worked for X core, which was Banshee's kind of like paramilitary group that he had for a little bit, which we've not really talked about before, but he was again, the workforce for X core and then for X corporation, um, which was like professor X's like business, uh, modeled after uh, new X-Men when he came out of the closet as an X-Men to the public. We talked about that during the Grant Morrison, um, episode with Jeff Ramsey. Um, and so he was also, again, the workforce for X Corporation. Um, and so that's kind of like been his lot in life is that he's he's kind of like the everyman for everything they need. Um, but this run, Madrix and the subsequent preceding uh, volume three of X Factor was an attempt at taking this background character, this, you know, background noise character, honestly, and making him the star, making him the part of the limelight, making him a leader even, and also surrounding him with some people that had been around him in previous comics and even some new ones that really hadn't been around him very much before, um, which is also part of the reason why I think this is such a good uh, miniseries to talk about because I think it's, while I, I don't love everything about Madrix and I don't love everything about X Factor, I could say that about almost like every X-Men run that I can talk about because everything is they're always going to be flawed and written by flawed men. Um, usually I say usually men because it's just majority written by them. Um, I, I commend Peter David's ability to take, I commend anybody really who can take these X-Men characters who are background characters and take a new twist at them, take a new stab at them, put them in a new spotlight and make them wildly interesting at the very least. And that's what this kind of made multiple man to me was wildly interesting. And, and not just because they explored like new aspects of what he is as a mutant, what his powers are and that kind of thing, but they, they gave him kind of new ownership and, and new independence um, amidst this very large pantheon of mutants that is the X-Men. Um, and that's not a simple task, I imagine, as a writer. I'm not a writer. I'm a reader. Um, but that that is not a simple task, but it's got to be a really fun task. And that's what a lot of they've been the writers have been doing in the recent modern day of X-Men comics. Um, and, and I commend anybody who attempts that and, and accomplishes it. Um, but I've been talking about this organization that, that Jamie has been a part of, X-Factor, and the Ish, the volume, the the title that follows Madrix is it's called X Factor. And I've talked about it a little bit in the past, so I'm going to give just kind of a little bit of refresher of kind of like what X Factor is and what the different iterations of it have been in case you're not familiar with that and you think that just is the Simon Cowell um, music competition show. It's not. Um, X-Men had a first. Not the title, X Factor. I think X Factor, the term, has been like a colloquial term for quite a while. But X Factor, the comic, had the title before Simon Cowell. Let that let the record show. Let the record show, please, everybody. Um, that Simon Cowell is a X-Men fan. Um, I don't know if that's true, but maybe he is. Um, anyways, X Factor was originally, if you recall from our previous episodes talking about stuff, especially we went over it a lot in uh, the 
the Madeline Pryor episode. Um, X Factor was originally the five original X-Men. Um, bonus points if you can name those five before I get to it. Three, two, one. Jean Grey, Iceman, Beast, Angel, and Cyclops. Um, and it was them kind of formulating their own team that was sort of working in secret. Publicly, they looked like they were mutant hunters. In secret, they were finding and saving mutants and um you know hand them over to you know other places where they were safe in order to learn their powers and also be safe from a very nasty public who still at who at that time and for time for quite a long time after that have hated mutants but later um once that team dissolved uh it turned into an actual government sponsored team um kind of a mutant task force that was led, um, that was actually uh, coordinated by their uh, human liaison, uh, Valerie Cooper, who is one of the longer standing human allies to the X-Men um, and uh, was this government uh, worker uh, that was the coordinator for X-Factor and kind of like, you know, got their check signed and all that kind of stuff. Um, they eventually disbanded as a team when, I don't think we've ever gone over this, that team was led by Havoc, Alex Summers, Cyclops' brother. Um, and that title ended when Havoc seemingly died at the end of the, the climax of this big fight. Um, but, spoiler alert, he didn't die um, and was actually transported to an alternate dimension um, where uh, he ran for quite a while under a title called Mutant X, um, which is a pretty interesting uh, story of like this kind of darker, almost spooky version of the X-Men where like Madeline Pryor is in a position of power and like Storm, who was in X-Men comics, was once bitten by Dracula and was going to be was a vampire this is a story like what if she stayed a vampire and never you know was uh, uh cured of that affliction vampirism um and other things like Iceman, whose powers were out of control and beast who is no longer smart and had become even more of a mutated beast um mutant x is quite wild i don't know if i'll ever do an episode on mutant x um, but if you ever just want to go check it out and look at the art and look at the characters and look at the wild story, it's worth the while. It's very much in the vein of like an attempt like Age of Apocalypse, but I never thought it was as good as Age of Apocalypse, so I've never really gotten into it a ton. And also, I've never been, I gotta be honest, um, while I don't hate him, I've never just really loved Havoc. If you love Havoc, I'd love to hear why. Um, uh, the Summers boys in general are problematic to love, and we all know this. X Men community knows this, um, and I problematically love Cyclops. He's definitely the kind of guy that I'm like, I could fix him. That's my take on Cyclops. Um, but Havoc, uh, while a lot of guys, uh, a lot of comic book uh, fans have loved him or thought he's interesting or cute or cool, um, I've never been a huge fan of Havoc. This is not an episode about Havoc. I I digress. This is an episode about. Uh, Jamie Madrix, among other characters that are in this uh, five-issue miniseries that you might not be super well aware of because they are like secondary characters on secondary titles that are given a little bit more of um, spotlight time in this comic. And and I, I kind of feel like, you know, there's a bit of a running theme here that I'm like, I'm trying to sell you guys on the pitch that if you read this, there's a good chance you fall in love with a lot of these characters. And I, and I hope that my endorsement of stories and characters holds some weight um 
and that you kind of might take my uh, advice on learning uh, why you should be a big fan of a guy named Strong Guy, which is such a silly mutant name. Um, his real name is Guido Carousella. Um, but Strong Guy is this wonderful, you know, himbo kind of a character who was, um, you know, he, he originally had wealth, and but he lost it. And so then he became a bouncer for this um, other mutant call, named Lila Cheney, who I'd love to do an episode about eventually just teach you about this um, multiversal hopping mutant named Lila Cheney, who's a rock star like a multiversal hopping rock star. How cool is that? Um, but then he, Strong Guy eventually did join X Factor with people like Havoc and Polaris and, and Multiple Man and all them. Um, and so he was part of that that iteration, that team under the leadership of Havoc. So this is kind of him being involved. This is, his, this, this is him returning to a title that people recognize about him. Um, his name was actually, although I keep making fun of his name, his name was actually a little bit of a joke that kind of just stuck at a press conference, but it's a joke that Guido made. And so it's kind of his own fault that he's called the most like reductive mutant name ever of like strong guy. Although let's be fair. There's a mutant named Iceman, Um, and so you can't really be, uh, criticize strong guy. Um, but he's an interesting character where his mutant power is that he absorbs energy a little bit like Bishop, but he converts it into strength and like mass and and like invulnerability and all that kind of stuff. It basically becomes bigger and stronger the more he absorbs. But there's a limit to his powers that is tragic um, but unique where because of the strain that this absorption does, if he doesn't release it and he absorbs too much and holds on to too much for too long, um, he actually has suffered two heart attacks in the comics, at least two, I think. Um, I don't know if there's been more than that. Um, but he has he's always kind of like trying to keep that at bay to keep his health in mind as he, you know, absorbs energy and and plays the strong guy for the team. Um, strong guy has a close bond with Jamie, which makes sense why he's in this little mini series and joins the X Factor investigation unit. Um They've always connected. They have a little bit of the same humor. Um, they're both jokesters. And Strong Guy has also got a strong connection with another character that is part of this five-issue miniseries named Wolfsbane, who we've talked about before in the show. Um, human name, Rain Sinclair. Um, I actually named... I used to foster kittens. Um, I don't know if I ever talked about this. I used to foster kittens during the pandemic um, as a way to do something that brought me joy. Um, and I always named all of my kittens... Um, after the human names of mutants um my first two ginger kittens were named um charles and eric um and of my litter of the last kittens i ever had um during my fostering venture um one of them was named rain um and uh wolfsbane rain sinclair um to catch you up was one of the original members of the new mutants which was the second team of mutants that professor x brought into the school right after the originals um and rain is a character that's a kind of a bit of a troubled background where like she has this this dueling of her personality traits where on one side she's a very devout religious and and almost puritanical um character who was brought up in 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 those kinds of ways but that that upbringing often conflicts with the nature of her powers, which is this wolf, this wild animal, this, this primal creature. And so there's a, there's a duality to the whole thing that is constantly um, fighting, which I think makes, gives her dimension and, and um, 
offers a lot of fodder for writing in the comics. Um, you might also remember we talked about her when we went over Academy X with uh, BK. I think we did co- covered Rain in Academy X um, because she kind of sort of was dating one of the students, even though she wasn't a professor at the time, but then later became a professor and couldn't date the student anymore. It's weird. X-Men relationships can get a little weird um and i try not to dwell on it too much just to enjoy the rest of the stories um but it didn't work out with her at the xavier institute teaching um and so she this is that kind of led to her joining up with jamie and the way that she does in this mini series if you read it um that's for the most part in madrix the only characters you need to know um i'm not covering x factor volume three in this episode but there are a lot of characters in x factor volume three that you might want to do a little bit of brushing up on just in case you're just like i don't know who richter is i don't know who monet st Clair is which that's a tragedy actually it's a tragedy not knowing richter is he's a great character especially now in the modern comics where he's become a little bit of a D druid um but uh monet uh, codename M is so fantastic and I have to do a Generation X episode soon. I love Generation X. It's so 90s. It's so 90s. It's so late 90s. It's great. Um, but that's like a, a, a student team um, that stars like Jubilee's like the connective tissue to the X-Men in that. But then they introduced a bunch of like new characters and one of them's M and I adore M and if you know anything about the other characters that I adore like Mystique and Madeline Pryor and Destiny you can understand maybe what kind of a character M is and you can kind of see what my problematic um, gravitation is to um, some of these wonderful uh, characters in the X-Men comics Um, I don't remember why I was talking about Generation X but I will just pivot straight to um, offering some context um, for what is going on right before you jump into Madrix. This came out in 2004. Um, and so if you kind of un- remember from previous episodes, dates I've thrown around, what happened almost immediately before uh, Madrix is the uh, uh, Decimation Day, um, the Decimation Event, um, uh, House of M, and the loss of 98% of the mutants, so that there's less than 200 mutants left on the planet. And while there's not very many mutants left on the planet, um, and most of them have been uh, congregated to the campus of Professor X's school um, and are being, like, during this time, guarded by um, government-created sentinels, um, there still are a lot of mutants in this area of New York that's called Mutant Town, which is um, kind of a mirror image to uh, the other, you know, culturally congregational parts of the city that we all know of like you know chinatown and little italy and that kind of stuff mutant town is just that it's where a lot of the mutants have congregated they can be normal they can be themselves it's a little bit of a of a slum kind of a place it's a rough place to live um in fact uh bishop is serving as a cop um in uh mutant town um, and in fact, he was, uh, he starred in a title that was just all about him being a cop in Mutant Town. And, and the name of that title is escaping right now. It might just be Mutant Town, but I don't think it is. Um, but who knows? Um, anyways, M day did just happen. Um, mutants are kind of now on their own now more than ever. Um, and it kind of creates a good place for Jamie who needs a new purpose, both as a character and as a, just a, a written, um, subject piece for the X office. Um, and it makes, it, it makes a good setting for a place where he can, 
He no longer needs to be a pawn of anybody else's agenda and can find his own agenda and can find his own altruistic goals and activities to, uh, you know, not only help his fellow mutant, but kind of find himself um, because there's a little bit of retcons in this story, not retcons necessarily, but new facts about Jamie that are introduced um, during Madrix. Uh, like I said, this is a prologue to Peter David's X Factor Volume 3 run, and it specifically is ex- it's an explainer on why when you jump into X Factor Volume 3, Jamie has a investigation business called X Factor Investigations. It, the, the Madrix tells the story of how that gets started and why specifically Guido and Rain have, have joined him. And then at the beginning of X Factor Volume 3, all the other characters join as well, like Siren and M and people like that. Um, but in this story, uh, the dupes are once again hearkening back to how they were acting during the legacy virus part of his story. And they're co- becoming a little uncontrollable or at the very least unpredictable. Instead of him duplicating and them just being just carbon copies of him, they are physically him, but they are mentally just aspects of his personality. And that can come with benefits and that can come with negatives. And in fact, X Factor Volume 3 starts with a very big negative but we see that even in madrix where he's like betrayed by his dupes um and he has like arguments with them they also retcon that jamie trying to figure out his place in this world um apparently sent out years ago a bunch of dupes to go live other lives and to gather uh information and skills and memories for him to add to his you know cadre of abilities um because that's also part of jamie's powers that when he absorbs the dupes he absorbs their memories and skills um he doesn't necessarily absorb their emotional connection to these memories um which has kind of been a, been a problem in the past with his stories um but it's a great way to go and get like a bunch of different degrees and learn a bunch of fighting skills and become a one man army who's not even a one-man army. He's an army army. Um, and a lot of the story is begging the ca- the question of like what actually is Jamie, the multiple man, um, it, it, you know, what is the extent of these powers? What is the ramifications of these powers? What is, you know, the ethical dilemma with these powers, if there is one? Um, and it kind of also, this story also sets up this like great mechanic and at which they can kind of dole out these issues where it's this you know they're at a detective agency and so there's clients that come in and have like mysteries that to be solved and their team is set up to do it and that's what happens in this madrix mini series where it kind of splits at one point to two different investigations one is the investigation of the attempted murder of jamie um that someone murdered his dupe and then there's also like a bunch of mod bosses getting killed and he goes and figures out what's going on there um and there's intrigue and betrayal um and it's it's great um and then the other branch is kind of rain and guido um investigating this potential affair with this mutant with astral projection abilities it's very salacious and tragic also like darkly tragic um especially the end of it um, but yeah, that's kind of like the mechanic that this mini series sets up that is used quite a lot in um, X Factor Volume Three. Um, like I said at the near the beginning of this episode, um, not everything about this story I love. Um, the majority of my criticism really has to do with just kind of like where in time this took place and during this like two thousands um, era of X Men. There was a lot of amazing attempts at uh, new works with the X Men, but then there's a lot of 
you know, moments and lines of dialogue and stuff that very much dates it to an old time way of thinking and talking. Um, and w- uh, on top of that, while it doesn't necessarily like this magic story in X factor volume three, subsequently after that doesn't necessarily handle the gay themes that it tries to introduce exceptionally well, I will give it, uh, you know, a thumbs up for an attempt, an effort, um, as well as I will thank it for setting up one of the best gay romances in X-Men comics ever. And I won't tell you who it is. You have to read X-Factor Volume 3 to find out who are these these gays that I'm talking about. And I think if you read it, you'll you'll love them as much as I do. Um, because it is a it is it is it is a coming out of the closet moment for X-Men history that has remained since then and is still canonically agreed upon and part of the narrative to this day in X-Men comics. And I love it. Um, and speaking of what I love, I'll talk a little bit more about what I love about this mini series to kind of entice you just a little bit further into checking it out. Um, what I love is that Jamie becomes a main character and becomes an interesting main character. And he's not interesting just because of how they explore new aspects of his powers, because in Madrix, they do explore it a little bit and have some fun with it. And that's part of one of the, that's kind of one of the main things I love about X-Men comics. I love the drama. I love the characters, but I'm also a nerd who likes the super powered element, supernatural element of the comics. And when writers can play around with new aspects of these these mutants and kind of write in new fleshed out ways that their their powers and mutantdom kind of manifests you tickle a little bit of my fancy when you do that and madrix does that and and it sets it up to happen even more in x factor volume three um but that's not only the reason why uh, i like this use of jamie as a main character it is a wonderful story about a man who is never alone but is always feels alone and he's trying to figure out who he is in the midst of that he's in a a storm of you know his self himself and he's magic sets up that quest that finding himself um that you know that idea of trying to pull oneself out of a dark past out of your own history and i think it's uh, it's it's something that i connect with where like this these kinds of story uh these kinds of stories are all about someone, you know, redefining themselves later on in life and being able to not just be, you know, written in stone. And I like, and 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 that actually extends to the rest of the characters because they explore that a little bit in Madrix with like Rain and Guido, but it goes even more into X Factor Volume Three of these um, these characters that are 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 malleable. They are constantly changing. They're water, um, always shifting, never the same. And to speak to that, this Madrix corrals like a great team of characters that then get brought into the X Factor issues that follow it. And it they're they're a group of characters that bring a lot of the best drama about the X Men. You know, the X Men are just a soap opera with superpowers. I've said that before, and uh, this is a great uh, example of that theme with the x-men comics um and it's it's so intriguing and and i really want you to read this so then you can read it uh read the x-factor issues that come after it because i want you to meet people like m and siren and even this new character they'll introduce in in an x-factor named layla miller um but i won't get into her right now at all but yes this this is a good story that is it's five issues it's quite consumable it's available on marvel unlimited and it it just you don't 
like other than this episode of class of X, um, which is almost not necessary, but it's, it's a pretty good precursor to reading it. So you're not fully taken aback by maybe not even knowing really who multiple man is. But other than that, it's, it's such a easy consumable read that, um, especially if you like this film noir style that they really explore with not only the art, but the style of how the stories are told and the, 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 the narration and all that kind of stuff, um, in the themes. Um, uh, is so if, if you love, you know, if you love like Casablanca and and mysteries and Sherlock Holmes and stuff like that, this will be in that category of stuff I'm sure you will like. Um, so, like I said, this is Madrix uh, from 2004. It's a five-issue miniseries penned by Peter David. Um, I really hope you check it out. Um, and uh, if you do, please let me know. If you uh, Just generally speaking, I'd love to hear what people are reading. I'd love to know where people are in the comics. I'm always reading modern stuff and keeping up with like the new stuff going on with like Fall of X, but I constantly am reading old stuff. I've been going through all of the entire Ultimate Universe again, which is not a thing I, should, I would suggest to anybody to do. Um, I'm kind of a glutton for punishment, but I've also been reading all kinds of other stuff like Peach Momoko's uh, Demon days and i've been reading um stuff with uh jonathan hickman's avengers run and stuff like that that connects to x-men um and so if you want to you know share with me i know I, I met actually this weekend um a comic book uh a aficionado at a comic store in dallas and um it was one of those moments where it's like man there's so few people out there that are reading comics that whenever you find somebody that's reading comics and you connect with them and talk with them it really is satisfying uh, which is why i do this podcast where i talk into the microphone by myself about comics in hopes of gathering others who like comics uh, in that fashion um and so you could do that either like you know on spotify with the q a function or if even better if you want to go to the discord um you can go find the discord if you go to the patreon page which is patreon.com slash class of x um and we're always talking about x-men stuff in the discord it's actually turned into a little bit of a fun place to kind of talk about new stuff as well as talk about old stuff with x-men so i encourage you to do that and um to my patrons out there who are still supporting the show i love you i appreciate you i adore you you're the reason why i can pay for the servers and my microphone and all that kind of stuff and be able to do this and so i hope this was a good episode i'm excited about um you know future episodes coming up and you got suggestions for those i'm always down for um people asking for certain things um and, and if it's a good idea i'll do an episode on it until then thank you so much take care of yourselves be good be kind be brave goodbye